Welcome back to a name, and do I have a show for you. I could not wait to finish all the important crap I had to tend to so I could get my ass back in front of this mic. Three weeks between shows, man, it was killing me. But I'm very convinced that I'm going to make it all worth it. I went on a road trip with my buddies Don and Eric. Eric uh, hosts the podcast Throwing Wrenches and The Beer Report. And it was so good when I got home I felt homesick for the guys and the campsites that we spent five nights in. More on that later. But I have to tell you that for all of you who equate camping outside to homelessness, I think I'd rather be homeless. It was that enriching of an experience. I've never had a bonding buddy experience like that in my life. And you all know how close I am with Don and the long history we've had together. But I haven't seen Eric in eight years. So catching up with him and getting some road time with him, talking about everything, getting to know each other on a deeper level, man, I love that dude. He's smart as hell, quicker-witted than I am, and we have more things in common than we don't. We have the same opinions on things. You know, like we both love watching documentaries. Actually, I think he watches more of them than I do, and I admire what a, a great family man he is, you know? Dude has raised two incredibly great kids, super smart, well on their way to doing great things. His wife is equally as quick-witted, funny, smart. She's like, she's his best friend. You can tell they're meant to be together. It's a wonderful marriage he has. Makes me jealous in a lot of ways. (laughs) I talk a lot about how much I, I feel at one with the outdoors, sleeping in a tent on the ground, cooking meals on a tiny stove with minimal gear, what I just experienced with, with my friends here sealed the deal. I have so much to talk about regarding that trip. It's probably going to stretch over a couple episodes. Because what I really want to hit on was my first visit to Colorado City. It's a lot to process. So I'm going to save it for later in the show. Buckle up because this show is going to be a doozy. You may have no idea what I'm about to talk about. So brace yourselves, okay? I think it might get a little dirty. Before we get to all that, I need to hit on some stuff that came across the wire while I was gone. First, get this one. This was in Men's Health Magazine last week. We've all heard the myth that big feet equals a big penis. 
But new science has emerged, which suggests that it's actually the size of your nose, which indicates the size of your penis. A survey published in Basic and Clinical Andrology measured the stretched penile length, SPL, of 126 adults aged between 30 and 60, alongside a range of other data, including nose size, height, and weight, and found a direct correlation between nose size and penis length. In the study, researchers concluded that nose size is likely the most definitive indicator of penis size. The fact that nose size is related to SPL indicates that penile length may not be determined by age, height, or body weight, but has already been determined before birth. Huh. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Who's making fun of my big Sicilian nose now, motherfuckers? You can take that to the bank. These studies, man, they just get weirder and weirder. At least they're not still doing the same studies over and over, like if coffee's good or bad for you. They must have done that one a hundred times. But what if this one is true? Think about this. Ichabod Crane, that dude had a massive schnoz. If this theory holds true, that dude had to be packing a, a baseball bat in his pants. Forget the horse he was riding. Old boy Ick would be putting that thing to shame. And if you can make a horse jealous, hey, salute. And the trial for Kyle Rittenhouse started a couple weeks ago. That became a shit show very fast, man. The prosecution, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. The prosecuting attorney, he asks Rittenhouse, who took the stand, which is either very brave or very stupid. So he takes the stand, and the attorney questions him on why he remained silent after his arrest. I mean, come on. This is criminal law 101. You have the right to remain silent because anything you say may be used against you in a court of law. So the kid took the fifth. Then the prosecuting attorney asked him why. This is the kind of stuff that sets the table for a mistrial. Then Rittenhouse gets up there, starts crying on the stand, which is either going to bury you because the jury might think you're faking it, or it could bring you compassion if if they buy it. I don't like any of this, and here's why. It started at a Black Lives Matter rally in Wisconsin where there were protests against a police officer who shot that, that black kid in the back a bunch of times. So during the protests, there was there was some looting going on. All right, because anytime you have an outraged group of people calling for civil rights, you're gonna have some knuckleheads who just wanna, you know, cause problems, break windows, steal shit. So Rittenhouse He gets in his car, he's in Illinois, drives down to Wisconsin, he's got a military assault rifle, I don't know, like an AR-15, starts walking the streets alongside police officers who are trying to disperse the crowd. So this dumb shit gets lost, ends up killing two men, and now he stands trial for murder. So think about it. If this kid gets off in this trial, you're going to see even more protests, maybe even a riot, right? He shot two two men and killed them. And I, I didn't do my homework on this. <laughs> Pardon me. Are they black? I'm not sure if they're black. I'm going to assume they're black because this kid seems like a racist piece of shit who shows up there with an intent to scare people and shoot anybody who had the balls to try to take him out. All right. You know what? I don't want to be that guy. Let me look this up real quick. Hold on a second here. Type in who did. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Autofilled by Google. Who did Kyle Rittenhouse kill? All right, let's see. 
Now this is going to go to images. Hold on. I'm sorry. I should have done this before. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I was wrong. Yeah, they were white. Were these guys looting or protesting? One of them was on a skateboard. I don't know. Look, you know what? It looks like they were just there to cause trouble. Anyway, okay. Doesn't matter. So they're white. I don't know. Maybe retract what I said. I don't know if white people are going to protest if this kid gets off. Or maybe they will. I don't know. Look, let's just look at this for what it is. These guys go out there to cause trouble and to find trouble. Rittenhouse gets in his car, drives down there to find trouble. They all found trouble. Now we have two men dead and a teenager on trial from premeditated homicide. He killed those two guys, all right? injured some other people. I don't know how you can say he's innocent. And the whole defense of I was just protecting myself is bullshit. You don't show up to a rally with a gun. If you want to protect yourself, you watch that big shit show on TV in the comfort of your own home. Let the police handle this. The National Guard. If you show up, to, you know, you show your lily white 17-year-old ass, right, carrying a semi-automatic rifle, we all know why you went down there. I mean, seriously, you show up to a protest made up mostly of black people and you've got a gun to hell you think is going to happen. Oh, please, Mr. White Man, don't shoot me. No, this is the 21st century, you dumb bitch. Homie, don't play that shit anymore. Now, you're going to get your ass kicked and you deserve it. So, jury's deliberating as I speak. The judge is over this trial. You can tell. And isn't he a peach? I guess they were ordering Chinese food for lunch last week. He made some lame joke about how he hopes the you know, food's not delayed because of the cargo ship back up out here in Long Beach. Like, listen, Shecky Green, this isn't ha-ha's comedy house. It's a courtroom. You preside over the case, man. Leave the jokes to comedians. Doddering old fart. He can't say anything without a series of uh, 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 <laughs> I don't know what's going on with him. 40 years as a judge. Finally, he gets this high-profile case that makes it on national TV, so I guess he's going to try to ham it up with one foot in the grave. But if you live in Wisconsin or near any big city, pray for the best, but prepare for the worst. This is a vicious cycle, and I don't, I don't see an end to it. A lot of people say, you know, we've got a gun problem. I think we've got a people problem. Like this country has way too many racists and vigilantes who have access to guns that are designed to kill. Because let's be honest here. You wouldn't take an AR-15 on a hunting trip unless what you're hunting are humans. That makes you a premeditated murderer. You show up to the mountains with a hunting rifle to kill deer, right? And then you shoot one. What is that? It's premeditated deer murder. I don't know how this is much different. And this story dropped just a few days after our last show. The mayors of St. Louis and Kansas City, Missouri, were holding a joint press conference, speaking to reporters after a roundtable discussion about public safety. And they had community leaders there, the Department of Justice. So Mayor Jones from St. Louis, she's talking to reporters. And this happens. Anytime that we have uh, gun violence in our community, um, I, I am very uh, shocked and, and, and feel sorry for the victims that are involved. Um, but what I did hear today um, from Brother L in, in Cure Violence is that... Oh, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Uh, you can't ignore the gunshots. What, are any, do you feel safe standing here right now? 
Well, I hear gunshots in my neighborhood every night. My son and I fall asleep to the lullaby of gunshots in the distance every night because I'm the first mayor in over 20 years to be born, raised, and still live in North St. Louis. Uh, so we live in a, in a neighborhood that, you know, we hear it more often than not. And I mean, you want to talk about irony. She's in the middle of talking about gun violence and public safety, and then some moronic dipshit fires a gun. If I lived anywhere near there, I'd start packing my shit tomorrow. I, you know, I can root for the Cardinals or the Royals from North Dakota, where it's safe. And here's the real kicker about this. Those gunshots went off. She didn't even flinch. She just smiled and shook her head. Nerves of fucking steel on this woman. And it's unfortunate, you know, yes, I heard it, but I didn't flinch. Uh, because, you know, I'm, I guess I, I'm, it's, it's a part of my life now. Uh, and that shouldn't be. Uh, you know, we should not uh, have uh, Stockholm Syndrome um, when, when we hear gunshots in the distance. Uh, we, should be, uh, we should be angry. And, I, and we are angry, but it's, it's, a, it's an unfortunate daily occurrence in our community. And so um, that's what this conversation was about today. But it just makes the whole thing sad. Gunshots are so common in her city. Every day, she says, where she lives. It's the same as birds chirping where you live. That's not normal. More bird chirps, less gunshots. That should be the goal of every city. And I don't mean to talk so much about guns. But these two stories back to back shouldn't be something I'm talking about. Again, this isn't about gun control. It's about people control. I don't want to get political. But if you've got a crime problem, you've got bigger issues that aren't being fixed in your community. Right? St. Louis, Kansas City, you have a budget. Put the money to good use. Clean up your town. Create jobs so people aren't so damn desperate. And do you remember the story I shared a few weeks ago? That jerk-off kid who punched the flight attendant in the face, broke her nose. The plane had to stop in Denver and then you know, was going to land here in Orange County. Well, they identified the man. And you'll never guess what town he's from. Mine. Walking out of court today after facing federal charges for punching a flight attendant in the nose on a flight from New York to Orange County last week, 20-year-old Brian Shu from Irvine had little to say. Hello, sir. No comments. Did you hit that flight attendant in the face? No, sir. You did not tell us what happened? No comment at this time. Thank you. When asked if he had anything to say to the victim... I love America. What's that? I love America. In a federal criminal complaint just unsealed, new details of the assault are emerging. Court documents show witnesses saw Shu asked to use the restroom. When the flight attendant pointed out the fastened seatbelt light was on and asked him to be seated, one witness says he remembered Shu striking her with his fist in a way that appeared practiced or trained. Another recalled the victim stating, I have a fractured nose. Court documents show Shu blames the flight attendant. He stated that the victim charged at him and hit her nose against the palm of his right hand. Shu told federal investigators he was attacked last year in New York and was flying home to Irvine from Rhode Island where he had brain surgery to repair his skull. He says he suffered brain fog and psychological damage from the injury. His mother, in a pink vest seen walking into federal court in Santa Ana, says since the brain injury, her son is easily angered. She believes he lashed out when he thought he needed to protect his head. The flight attendant was taken by ambulance to a hospital in Denver where the plane was forced to land. While this latest mid-flight attack is being called one of the worst, 
it isn't rare. Violent behavior by passengers on flights is at an all-time high. The FAA says they've received almost 5,000 reports of unruly passengers so far this year. Shu is now out on $10,000 bail and back at his family's home here in Irvine. A judge ordered him not to leave California until his court appearance in Denver, November 15th. You know where this is going, right? He's going to blame his brain or his brain surgery as the reason why he punched that flight attendant. And forgive me, all right, I accidentally called her a stewardess back then and I corrected myself. But I did it again last week when I was talking to Don about this. He corrects me again. But that's what they called flight attendants back in my day. All right? I'm getting up in years. Sorry. I'm constantly having to keep up with the times. I don't mean to offend anybody with that stuff. I'm still learning, and I'm trying my best. Anyway, this arrogant little fucker used a judo move on that poor woman. I've I've been living in this town for a while. Since uh, 1988. I've seen privileged little shits like this in my town since I started living here. They're all over the place. Their families are rich. They feel like they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, with zero accountability. Katrina and I lived in this one-bedroom condo there. There's this massive crash right around the corner. So we go out there, a bunch of neighbors and stuff. Turns out that a bunch of these rich little shits, just like this asshole, were racing their 340Zs down our small street, lost control, took out cable boxes, couple cars, some trees, and then wrap their cars around trees that were bigger than their cars. So we're out there. People are calling the police. These kids, unscathed, by the way, grace of God, they're taking their tennis rackets out of the cars. They start walking away. So a couple of neighbors and I, we, we start going after them. Like, where the fuck you think you're going? Suddenly, they didn't speak any English. Bullshit. Let me teach you some English. Sit your asses on that curb. We'll see how much English you suddenly know when the police show up. It's nuts. And I was going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, right? And that whole immunization fiasco. But I've said enough about this topic. I'm tired of COVID being a topic of discussion all the time, everywhere you go. So let me just say this. Aaron Rodgers is, um, how should I put this? He's a dumb motherfucker, but a talented quarterback. And I'm not just saying he's dumb because he, he because he got his immunization advice from Joe Rogan and ended up taking uh what was it ivermectin instead of getting poked with a you know Pfizer or Moderna. Ivermectin is great if you've got like worms or head lice. I think COVID might be a little more dangerous than uh, worms and head lice. Anyway, no, I knew this guy was a dumbass when he broke up with Olivia Munn. This woman is stunning, funny, smart gracious, and giving. Like, I saw her on a TV show she appeared on. It was a few years ago. It was HGTV. She had the, the, the show host redesign her mother's kitchen as a birthday surprise. Just an easy person to like. He let her go. Then starts dating Danica Patrick. That didn't last. I'll tell you something else. As a guy, I would never date a woman that I was convinced could totally kick my ass anytime she wanted to. Danica Patrick would drop me like a bad habit if I ever pissed her off. Then, there was David Chase, the creator of The Sopranos. He finally came out with it. It's been a long topic of conversation ever since the last episode of The Sopranos aired. You know, it went to black. That was that. People were on edge. What happened? People have been asking him if Tony Soprano was whacked at the end of Made in America for years. 
and he's tired of having to answer the question. So he just came clean. Yes, Tony does get whacked. I knew it when I saw it, so I didn't care that it went to black. If you were watching the show back then, the last season was cut into two parts. And don't be give me any of this spoiler alert shit either. That, that thing's been off the air for a long time. If you haven't seen it by now, there are no spoiler alerts. Anyway, so they cut the last season into two parts. The first episode of the first part was titled Members Only, after the jacket. You remember those? In the very last episode, one of the guys who comes into the restaurant was clearly wearing a Members Only jacket. My theory is that he was with the FBI, which is basically a legal version of the mafia, supported by the government. So Tony had, you know, he won his battle with Phil Leotardo and the FBI, they were kind of left in the dust after all that. I mean, for years they were trying to pin all these murders and other crimes on him. And he seemed just to be, you know, more lucky than Gotti in that regard. Like the Teflon Don, except Tony was more like a Teflon fat ass. So I think the FBI set up an unsanctioned assassination on him using someone that couldn't be tied to the FBI. I don't know. It's just my theory. Anyway, the thing that upset Chase is that people were really upset at the fact that if Tony did get whacked in the end, why didn't he show it? Like the fans of the show deserved to see him die. He was upset that, and I'm, I'm partially quoting here because I don't have the story in front of me, that he couldn't understand why anyone would want to see a character that they loved so much face down in a plate of linguine. I read that and I'm like, a character they loved? Who the fuck loved that character? Right now, show of hands, who loved the character Tony Soprano? I don't see any hands. Tony Soprano was a cocksucker. He fucked over his friends with no regard to how that made them feel, killed members of his own crew, killed his cousin, then killed his nephew. Cheated on his wife like crazy, ate with abandon. Just a royal piece of shit from New Jersey. What's to love about that? No, I did want to see him get fucking clipped. I just didn't want to see his family get it. And here's the thing, right? If they show Tony go down, you have to show the family's reaction to it, and that part would be heartbreaking. So, it was fine. Okay, so, the trip. I've already told you what a great time it was, right? Basically, I, I drove up to meet Don on Thursday afternoon at his family's cabin on Big Bear Lake. Uh, we packed my gear into his truck, drove to St. George, Utah that night, and we uh, basically camped for the night. It's about a five-hour drive. Next morning, we woke up, made some camp coffee, hit the road, grabbed a sausage McMuffin from McDonald's, which, by the way, is fucking delicious. The only time I ever eat that crap is when I'm on the road. Uh, then we made another five-hour drive to Moab, and we set up camp on Porcupine Rim, which is above Moab. And then our friend Eric met us there. And it was a huge reunion for us. And I'd be lying if I told you that we didn't get a little hammered on that first night together. And from there, we drove to Valley of the Gods, also in Utah, which was so breathtaking. I have a hard time describing this stuff. If you follow me on Instagram, uh, I've documented a lot of our trip. Now, I've got a story in my profile called uh, uh, Three Idiots, which is named after a coffee blend that Don had brought along. And my account is private, all right? But follow me on Instagram, I'll follow you back. Anyway, I could try to describe the scenery that we were witness to, shoot it with my cameras six ways to Sunday, I still could not do it justice. You simply have to see it in person 
to get the full grasp of how miraculous and beautiful the whole thing was. So from Valley of the Gods, we went to Gooseberry Mesa, just outside of Hurricane, Utah, which is the same campground that Don and I stayed last year. And the next morning, we tore down camp again, packed our gear into the trucks, and then headed for our last night of camping at an undisclosed location on the Grand Canyon. It's undisclosed because we all swore to secrecy not to talk about it with the volunteers at the ranger station. So if you want to know where it is, do some homework like Don did. God, it's an exhausting amount of homework he puts in. And then you, you make sure you got to have a 4x4 vehicle with a bunch of clearance, right? Because it there's parts of this a bitch of a drive. So I'm running through this really fast because I want to share anecdotes later. What I'd like to discuss is my first visit to Colorado City, Arizona. This is a hop over the border from Utah. We visited this town after we left Valley of the Gods on our way to Hurricane. They don't allow fires where we camp at the Grand Canyon. So Gooseberry Mesa was going to be the last place that we could burn firewood. So we stopped at a market in Colorado City to pick up wood and a few other things. So we walk into this store. The first thing I see is this really long book rack. On the bottom, maybe 40 copies of the Book of Mormon. What stood out was this other book. The cover, faced, you're staring you right in the face. It was about fascism or communism, I can't remember. I just found it bizarre to be front and center when you first enter a grocery store. All right, I'm not used to that. Out here, the first thing I see when I walk into a market is flowers. There, you see propaganda and a bunch of Bibles just to remind you where you are and how much your life sucks. So I start looking around me, and something didn't feel right. I saw this woman, and she looked, I don't know, odd. Then I see someone else, he looks odd. Then another, and another, and another. So I walk up to the guys. Under my breath, I said, dudes, these people look weird. Don turns to me and says, inbred. I'm like, what the fuck? Sure enough, I looked this whole thing up. There is a certain sector of polygamous Mormons who engage in what's known as cousin marriage, which results in inbreeding. And oh, my fucking life. I told the guys this was podcast gold. This grocery store was full of so much material, I thought my head was going to explode. And before I rip on people who fuck their relatives, let me say this. Everyone in that store was very friendly, made lots of eye contact, considerate, not afraid to say hello. A far cry from California, all right? Out here, people sometimes don't say hello back. They look at you like you're some kind of psycho because you smiled at them. So, Colorado City 1, Irvine 0. So, decent people in that regard. And the women were especially friendly. Probably because secretly they're crying out, hey, save me, right? And the kids, God bless them, seem like normal kids until you get a good look at them. Eyes are all fucked up. Some of them are crossed. Heads don't match the bodies. Just a walking buffet of genetic mutation. I wouldn't be surprised if some of these kids were born with a full set of teeth. It looked that bad. And for any of you listening who are Mormon, which I highly doubt because this podcast is certain to send me straight to hell if I hadn't already earned a ticket, turn this off right now, all right? Because I don't understand you motherfuckers. If you want to believe in what you've been taught in that book that you read, beautiful. Religion is good for people who need it. I have no problem with your religion. 
But here's where the problem starts for me. The polygamy aspect. You drive through Utah. You look at the size of the houses out there. Some of them look like full-blown estates or plantation homes. Eight to 12 room houses. So it's big enough to hold your multiple wives and God only knows how many kids. When I was in my early adult years, if you told me I could have three wives and it was legal, I'd have been all over that shit. Varieties, the spice of life, right? Well, then I grew up and got married. Okay, I get it. One's enough. Not that I didn't like being married. I loved it. But marriage can be work sometimes. Can you imagine living in a house where three women are pissed off at you for forgetting your anniversary? No, thanks. And what does that cost to support a family that size? I got to think you'd be working so much. By the time it's booty call time, you don't have the energy. I don't get this religion at all. The rules are all fucked up. No sex before marriage and complete fidelity after marriage. Okay, the last part, not horrible. You should never cheat. If you want to cheat, get a divorce first. But that's probably against the rules too. But no sex before marriage. It's a rookie move on both sides of the ball, whether you're a man or a woman. You don't buy a car without test driving it first, do you? What if the other person sucks in bed? No matter how many times you try it together, you're going to lock yourself up in a a long-term contract with no tryout period? I don't know. Maybe you can't even see each other naked. What if the dude is hung like a pimple, right? You're going to go through life with a man that has a dick the size of a a tube of lip balm? The Yankees aren't going to sign a pitcher without putting him through tryouts, are they? I don't mean to sound so gross, frank, or one-sided about sex here. But there's a reason why people have affairs sometimes, and it rhymes with unfulfilled. No alcohol or drugs. Yeah, that's fine. I know a lot of people don't do any of that stuff. It's a personal choice. But you can't try it. You don't know what you're missing. If I'm not mistaken, I I don't think they can have caffeine either. Fuck that. A life without coffee is not a life, man. That's prison. No dishonesty. I like this one. No one likes a liar. I think this goes back to rule number one. If you have an affair, you can't lie about it. But if you're breaking, you know, rule number one, you may as well break all of them. Enjoy a few pints of beer while you're at it. Donate 10% or more of your income to charity in the building up of the kingdom of God. This is a standard rule for any church. It's called tithing. But let's think about this one. You got three wives. Let's say... Six to nine kids, big fucking house, few cars. You better be making bank, dude. That takes a lot of greenbacks to keep up a lifestyle like that. Then on top of that, the church gets a 10% cut of what you make? For what? They're already making your life miserable. You can't drink. You can't rub one out. Can't curse. Can't do shit other than work. The fuck kind of life is that? Your life is ruled by this religion and this church. You have women and children at home screaming at you because you're never there. It's dominating your entire life. On top of that, you got to pay the church a 10% vig. Do not view pornography. Right. So, you you can't look at photos of naked people, but you can bang multiple women in your house, including your brothers, your sisters, cousins, whoever. Like, your home is your personal brothel, but don't be burping the worm while watching the uh, Pam Anderson sex tape. That makes zero sense. If these rules are all one-sided, I'm telling you. I'm reading this. Let me look at it. 
Think about this. Let's say you're a woman. Chances are strong that you're probably not even allowed to work. So 10% of your earnings, that, that thing probably doesn't apply. But you can't have sex until you're married. So your husband, with his squirrel cock, he's got a brand new car to drive. That's you. And not only one, but several. And you can't drink or space out on Xanax to escape the hell you live in. And getting back to your husband, who sucks in bed and leaves you unfulfilled, here's another rule. Do not engage in same-sex relationships. I read that and explained one question I had. Like, if you have three wives, right? Let's just say you've got a few wives. You find that normal or acceptable. Wouldn't it make sense that one day you'd be at your desk at work and think, huh, you know what sounds good on Saturday night? An orgy. Unless they're just hanging out and watching and and you have to make love to them one at a time, but they can't touch each other. What fun is that? Stop me if I start to sound sexist here. Angela, I'm sorry. I can hear your head exploding now, but I'm a dude. I know how dudes think, okay? What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. Rodney Dangerfield had a great line about this. He said he liked having threesomes because that way, after he falls asleep, they have each other to talk to. (laughs) All right. Dedicate Sundays to the Lord. Yeah, been there, done that, didn't like it. I'm sorry, but I dedicate my Sundays to cycling, football, Formula One, and barbecue. All right? You're out there, you're busting your ass all week, you can't have an orgy on Saturday night, and the church eats up my entire Sunday and then takes 10% of my earnings? No wonder these people are fucking their relatives. They've got nothing else to do for fun. Here's another one. No foul language. Get the fuck out of here. You may as well sew my mouth shut, okay? Because my life is so fucked, I can't even say it out loud. Don't drink. Don't do drugs. Don't watch Pornhub. Don't lie about watching Pornhub. Don't encourage your wives to kiss each other. Don't sleep with any of them until you're married. And you can't even say, motherfucker. (laughs) My life is a world of shit, and there's no way out of this mess. The Ten Commandments, man. Those are hard. These rules make them look like child's play. You know, if these people if these people want to sleep with their cousins, right, or their brothers or sisters, maybe use protection, all right, so we don't have humanoids walking around the grocery store freaking out visitors from out of state, all right? I'm not saying it's still okay to give each other orgasms because that's all kinds of fucked up. Next level. But if you must, yeah, maybe put a helmet on the soldier, all right? And I wonder, maybe that's not allowed. Protection. Do they not allow protection? Or do they do the, the pull-out method? I never understood that rule. It's a rhythm method. What's it called? Catholics do it, I think. You can't use protection. But it's okay to pull it out and bust a nut all over the place. And just sheets on your wife. Religion, man. No thanks. And wouldn't it be weird? Like you're banging a relative and you're looking into their face. How do you not picture them sitting next to your uncle at family functions? Maybe spread it out a little bit, man. Go to school, meet a stranger, go on a date. Just don't bump uglies with people you're related to. I know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but that doesn't mean that the tree has license to put its dick in it. It's just gross. And what kind of development issues does this cause? I know retardation's common. What else? Shit. 
you're going to bang a relative and have kids, you may as well smoke and drink your way through the pregnancy. That kid's going to come out looking like the elephant man's cousin anyway. May as well go all the way to the goal line. But again, the kids were sweet. I never thought I'd be talking about incest on this podcast, but here we are. As I said, I walked into that store thinking it was going to be any other grocery store. Instead, I ended up shopping surrounded by cult members from a time that man forgot. I had a funny joke in the store too. I go up to Eric and I said, uh, dude, I'll give you four to one odds. They don't sell condoms here. I looked around. I was right. (laughs) Nothing like that. But I made a joke anyway. I go back to him and said, hey, I found the condoms. Ironically, they were in the baby food aisle. Oh, man. (laughs) I'd love to have a place like that that was easily accessible. That way, if I run out of topics for the stupid show I'm doing, which sometimes does happen, I could just slide down to Colorado City, grab a coffee, because Lord knows they're not drinking any of it, and I could people watch about 90 minutes. I'd do the whole show in my car on the way home. And you should have heard Eric and I cutting up in his truck. I wish we'd have recorded it. That was a full podcast. I hadn't laughed that much that hard for that long in forever. And by the way, if you're in the market for a 4x4 vehicle that thinks it's a tank, might I suggest the Toyota 4Runner. Comfortable as hell, tougher than any car of its kind. A buddy of mine has the Tundra. And that thing's a, it's a comfortable beast, but both Eric and, and Don drive these forerunners and they're incredible cars. We were on some roads, definitely would have broken my cars. No question. I couldn't do this trip on my own. And uh, I think I'm done. I think that's this week's show. Got a lot of little funny stories to share from our camping trip, but I'll tell you next time. I just don't want to make an extra long show out of this. There's a famous quote about being brief. The mind can absorb no more than the seat can endure, which is why I try not to stretch these shows out. How long did I go anyway? About 40 minutes? That's not too bad. I thought I'd go closer to an hour. I apologize to anybody that I offended today, but I finally looked at my reviews on Apple Podcasts. Somebody gave me a one-star review. I cannot tell you how happy that made me. If I'm pissing someone off, Well, they're going to go and give me a one-star review. I know they're coming back to listen. And thank you for listening. I love every single one of you. Just not like they do in Utah. Until next week, my name is Phil, and this has been Innate. Cheers.
is your name? Tony. Fuck you, Tony. What's your name? Ezekiel. Fuck you, Ezekiel. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you.